Hey everybody and welcome to today's episode of President Accounted For. Today's uh, episode is going to be myself, uh, Lance Corporal Juan Castillo. Um, I was born and raised in Corpus Christi, Texas. Um, lived with you know my mom, my stepdad. I grew up moving from house to house. You know, we moved a lot. Not, I think that's what helped with my personality, though, because I think you have to. Whenever you move from school to school, you gotta you make you have to make new friends. Um, and so then, yep, in high school, um, you know, right before I joined the military, I was uh, living with my brother and working, <clears throat> working at McDonald's, um, McDonald's and Hollywood Video uh, at the same time. <clears throat> so it was pretty great. You get to have uh, free food and free movies, which, you know, as a 17 year old, that's, that's pretty sweet. But how I decided to join in the military was, uh, one day it was career day and at, at in high school and a recruiter came up, you know, to everybody and Hey, what do you you know plan to do when you get out of high school? I didn't know what I wanted to do. I definitely didn't have the means to go to college. Um, but I knew I wanted to get out of Corpus like I had to. I remember my brother telling me like, leave, you need to leave. You got to get out of here. Uh, go do something, you know, leave, leave Corpus. So that was a Friday that the recruiter came by and he said, Hey, come on by tomorrow to the, to the, to the mall and come see me and we'll just go over, you know, options that you, you could do. I was like, okay, sure. Not a problem. So I had, um, I think my brother, if I recall correctly, dropped me off. It was like 8 a.m., 8 or 9 a.m. It was pretty early. So he dropped me off, and I get to the recruiter's office, and we start talking, and then pretty much by, I don't know, 11, maybe noon, just a few hours in, I was calling my mom to that I needed her to come sign for... Uh, for me to join because I was underage. I was still 17. And this was, I'd say, um, man, it was a while. I say a little under a year from graduating high school. So I was in the delayed entry program for, for months. And so I, my mom comes and she goes, are you sure this is, this is what you want? And I said, yeah, that's, I'm, I'm sure. Like, we're going to, let's do this. So she signed, the recruiter gathered the papers, and if you can, you know, you know how you gather them and you you tap them on the table to arrange them nice and neat. He did that, and he said, okay, ma'am, he's ours. We'll take care of him from here. And it was like, oh, all right, I guess this is it. Like, it's, you know, signed for, signed, sealed, delivered. And, you know, I was in the, I was a, in the delayed entry program, waiting to join. So, and again, I had to get into into shape because I was not. I mean, I was I was in I was a shape, but not in shape. <laughs> um, so we, you know, I'm going through high school, and every I think once a month or every couple weeks, we would get together with the Marines and some of the other uh, delayed entry program uh, recruits. I guess if you want to call them that. Because there was Navy, Air Force, and it's it's all the branches, and everybody was together. Um, I think I may be wrong. I don't remember. It's been it's been a while. So, you know, I'm going to school, going to work, and didn't have much of, um, you know, I hung out with my best friends that I worked with. That's what the you know, we hung out all the time, and then so I get ready to ship out you know I actually talked to one of my best friends that we worked together and we hung out all the time uh, uh Tony and uh he joined he joined the the Marine, the Marine Corps his dad was in the was a Marine um I I didn't have anybody prior my grandfather was in the army during World War II uh, I had a cousin in the army for a couple of years but 
my direct, you know, my parents, my dad, my brother were, nobody was in, in the military. So my, my buddy, I get to join, we go to, um, we're about to go to boot camp, and this was in, I believe, I, I, man, it was like a, it was like late September, so we, we go to join, and I didn't pass my initial fitness test, so he leaves, because he passes, and you know, we're supposed to go together, so I had to, I got held back a week, finish my fitness test, I pass it, and I go the week later, so there's one I didn't get to go to boot camp with him. Um, and when getting to boot camp, I remember you know it's it's late. Uh, I don't know maybe ten nine p.m. ten p.m. And we get there. They tell you know you get on the bus. Uh, you sit in the bus. I didn't know how close the recruit depot was. And so that you sit in the bus and they tell you to put your head between your knees, kind of like a, you do in an airplane or whatever, like a, you know, crash, the crash test. Um, either way you get head between your knees and it's dark and it's like, you could almost hear once you're on the bus and they're not yelling at you, it's, you can hear a pin drop. All you hear is the, the engine in from the bus, just moving and you're moving and you're rocking and the ride seemed forever, but it's literally right next to the airport. So we, you know, the bus stops and finally stops for a while. And then you hear some of the DIs outside, the drill instructors, and they they come up on the bus. One of them gets on the bus and he goes, you got about, you know, I don't know how many. You got, you got three seconds to get off my bus right now. And he's like, get off my bus right now. Get off my bus right now. And he starts yelling and get on the yellow footprints. And as you're walk, running out, there's another, you know, drill instructor there. They're everywhere. And they're yelling to get on the footprints, get on the footprints. And, you know, you, you're there and then you start your, your process. And once you line up, they start to in process you, like take away all your personal belongings, all your clothes, strip you down to your underwear. And you put, actually, they, they strip you down, I think, naked. Because you get new underwear, you get new utilities, new pants, shirt, uh, or your pants, your trousers, your skivvy shirt, you get a blouse, they call it, boots, cover, your hat, um, everything. They give you, you get everything right there. Um get your hair cut, you know, super fast. And then I remember waiting in a, I don't know if it was like an auditorium just lined up against the wall. Everybody was lined up single file, uh, along the wall. And we stood there for hours. I mean, it was a long time that we stood there for, uh, I remember seeing some guys that, you know, they would lock their knees and somebody would pass out. They'd get them up and make sure they're okay. And they put them, put them back, back where they were. And then, you know, they, you get to your, you know, holding platoon because you haven't been picked up yet by your platoon. So you get there and you, one of the first things you do before, you know, after you have all your stuff, you get to one of the squad bays and they have a shower and they teach you, they start you, you know, they teach you how to shower, you know, they, everybody gets in and they do it. There's a thing that you learn very prominently and very quickly is everything's by the numbers. Um, so it's, you know, do this now, do the step, step one, step two, step three, you know, and they teach you how to shower that way first by the numbers, you know, grab the soap, wash your face. Rinse your face, grab soap, wash your body, you know, wash your parts, rinse, grab soap. And, you know, from head to toe, instead of washing from your, you know, wash it from the bottom up. Like, you know, <laughs> they, they teach you how to do that if you don't know how to shower. Because, you know, some people just start 
what they just wash the parts and that's it. They don't wash their body. Um, they 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 <laughs> they break it down. Um, Barty style is what they call it as well. They call it Barty style and by the numbers. So um, you you finally after I, I can say maybe it was being awake for I don't know twenty hours. You know, you first get there and they just keep you awake for so long. And I think it's a, obviously it's a mental game. They they need to they need to wear you down till you are exhausted beyond exhaustion. And you finally they do everything by the numbers. You're following them. Then you you uh, finally get to go to bed, and you go to bed. And it's not long. You sleep for like a few hours, and they get you up, go get chow, all that stuff. And then finally. <clears throat> Finally, I forget how many days it was that we did that, but then you're you get picked up. It might not even have been that long, but it seemed like it. It seemed like forever, and it probably was. So your drill instructor they they sit you down in the squat in the quarter deck. It's like a big flat area in front of an office, and they sit you there. And then there's three. I, re- I remember seeing three drill instructors all next to each other. All had green belts. <clears throat> and they're just, they're standing there, you know, looking menacing. Just the hat, if you can picture this, their their hat, their cover, is barely covering their eyes. So all you see is like a little slit of the, their eyes. Like they're, they're, and they're gazing. They're not blinking. They're gazing. Their uniform is just as crisp as, you know, it's sharp, you know, like a freshly sharpened pencil, just immaculate. And they're just standing there quiet, not doing anything, just standing in the same position. And then your senior drill instructor comes out. He's got, you know, he's the one talking at first. He's got, you know, his shiny black belt around his waist and He's talking to you, and this is, you know, I'm drill instructor so-and-so, or excuse me, I'm senior drill instructor so-and-so, and these are my drill instructors, and he names all three of them, and then goes through his whole spiel, you know, everybody, you know, doesn't, kind of, kind of, again, it's not, it's not uh, full metal jacket style, where everybody's at their bed, you know, you're in the squad bay, everybody's sitting down next to each other. Indian style, you know, or, you know, if you want to be politically correct. Back then it was called Indian style when I was still going through boot camp. I know now that it's crisscross applesauce, but no, we were all sitting down Indian style. And everybody, he finally, he's finally done with the spiel. And I remember, you know, very clearly, and I can still hear it kind of in my head that all he says is drone instructors, they're yours. And these three drill instructors that were just standing there, you know, no movement, no, not a peep, like activate like a, like a pit bull that just seen the cat run by and the yelling, you know, the decibels went from like whatever quiet to extremely loud and in your face, get up right now, line up right now, do this right now. Everything was right now and yesterday. I need this done now. And yesterday and throughout boot camp, the whole course is just for, you know, instant willing obedience to orders. That's the, that's, that's all it is. Instant willing obedience to orders where you, when an order is given, you do it without hesitation because in, you know, I'm sure in a combat situation, you can't question whether you're going to do something. You just do as you're told. And that's how it was. So we go through, you know, your weeks, you you know, they take you to chow, um, and you do. Oh my God, boot camp is 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 another thing. You know, cleaning uh, every Thursday was field day, so that you would have to you know do a. I remember having to duck walk, where you're pretty much squatting down all the way, and then you have to walk that way with a little scrub brush, and scrub the floors. Um, I can recall having to wash there's like outside of your barracks where you sleep there's a big cement horseshoe huge with 
water spigots all around them as well. And that's where you had to wash uh, your laundry. And even though in our squad bay, we had, I think, two washers and two dryers. Never used them. Went through all of my boot camp. Never used them. It was, I had to wash my, my you know, skivvies and my everything, pant trousers, in outside. And then hang them outside. We never got to use the an interior washer and dryer. So, you know, to make it go by, you know, we, we go through boot camp. We do, you know, each training exercise. Um, one thing that sticks out is the first time that I got to call home. And, you know, it was like the rush of emotions that happened because you're trying, you know, you're finally, I can't you know, I don't know what we did. I think we won some challenge between all the other platoons and our platoon won. And that was our, that's why we got to use the phone. So we, um, I call my mom. I'm, I'm, she was busy, I guess, or something that she didn't answer. She, she wasn't home because there was no cell phones. So she wasn't home. Call my dad. Uh, he was busy. He had a cell phone, but uh, he didn't answer. And then I just remember calling my, I was like, well, shit, who else? I call, I remembered my brother's phone number. And that's the, you know, that's a good thing that, you know, back then you had to remember everybody's phone number. So you call home and like, who do you, whose phone number you remember? I, I couldn't imagine now. Like, I mean, I rem, you know, hopefully some of you still have, uh, uh, remember your parents' phone numbers, but I remember mine. I still remember my parents' numbers, but anybody else? I couldn't call to save the world, man. Um, but I did. I remember my brother's number. I called. He answered. And I was just remember being like, hey, what's up, man? And he goes, hey, you know, really surprised. And then I just broke down, like crying. Because it's the first time you hear somebody talking to you normally. You know, and a family member at that, you know, I just broke down crying. And then finally, I, you know, gave my bearing. And we talked about stuff that's going on. And, you know, it's like, you know, it's hectic from the moment you get up. At Revly, you know, Revly sounds, you're up and then it's, you're moving until lights out at 9 p.m. Like from the moment you get up to the moment you go to bed, you're moving, 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 and then move some more. All the while drinking like three gallons of water a day, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so we, you know, I get to talk to him was great. Another thing that I remember is that we, I don't know what, I can't remember what else we won. Well, there was a few of us that won. There was like three guys. Our senior drill instructors had told us something that if, hey, you, you, if you win this competition or something, I'll get you, uh, oh, what was it called? From, it was a, it was a meal from McDonald's. I forget the deluxe. The, we'll get, I'll get you the deluxe uh, from McDonald's. And we won. I got it. I ate it. And I immediately regretted it. Because at this point, again, I was I was a diet recruit. Meaning I was overweight. So I couldn't eat any. You know, I would have to. My, my breakfast was, you know, either a boiled egg. Uh, regular eggs. A salad. Unlimited fruit salad, white rice, and water. No juice, no milk. Uh, actually, I think I could have milk. And then lunch, same thing. Unlimited fruit, salad, uh, protein, white rice. No, no salt, no pepper, no dressing on the salad. It was a dry salad. Uh, if, if there was a, like a, chicken fried steak I had to pull the breading off and they would watch me pull the breading off so I wouldn't eat it um even as you're you're you get 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 your food and you're walking out of the line there's a drill instructor at the end of the line waiting for everybody because he can see your tag that, that it says on your blouse a tag that says diet recruit <laughs> and he as you're holding the tray in your hand like with both hands he examines your plate and he checks uh underneath your fingers so as you're holding the plate, he'll he'll pull your hand out of the way to make sure you're not hiding anything in your um, <laughs> in your hands. Uh, so 
Yeah, and then you would eat chow. That's what I. That's what I could eat. You know, and then you would eat. You know, in as fast as you can. You know, because sometimes you know something was always planned. They make sure you got your chow, but you would have to inhale it. I mean, inhale your food. I don't even know if you chew it. So then, you know, boot camp was for myself. It was tough physically because again, I was out of shape. Uh, and mentally, you know, I, I had n- I never experienced anything like this um, in my life. You know, being yelled at, you know, somebody in your face, in your personal space. Um, and uh, it was it was really tough. Um, you know, so, and, you know, another thing, something funny that I remember is uh, I remember at uh, whenever you right before lights out. They do a medical inspection. So, you know, at the end of the night, if you have any, you know, ailments or, you know, something's wrong physically, they call you up to the quarter deck. You know, this big flat area. Oh, it's all flat. But this big air open area in front of the drill instructor hut. And they call you up and, you you know, they tell you, you know, snap. So you stand there with your hands, elbows at your sides and your hands flat out and they say what's uh you know what what's wrong with you and you tell them you know this recruit so and so is is his uh this recruits yada yada is broken or doesn't feel well and then they'll examine and they'll either send you to medical or not so having and and finding this out later that it's common if you're not you know very active or on your feet or wear boots a lot your toes will go numb. And I think, I think this happens to hikers, uh, as you're hiking for hours on and walking for, you know, days on end, your toe will go a little numb. So I tell the recruiter, I, I mean, excuse me, I tell the drone instructor, this, uh, you know, this recruits big toe is numb, sir. And he looks down at me, and <laughs> he looks down at my feet and he goes, which ones? They're all fucking fat. <laughs> They're all fucking big. And I laugh and he looks up at me because you're not supposed to lose your bearing. You're supposed to keep it. You can't, you can't laugh. And I laugh. So I immediately stop and I'm trying not to smirk. And he just looks at me and he, and he walks away. Cause I mean, at this point, you know, I don't think there's anything they can you could do medically, but uh, I just that's something funny that I remember, you know, telling him that my big toe was numb, and he asked, he said, "Which one?" They're all fucking big. <laughs> my flints from my he, uh, something about it. You got, you get, he goes, "You got fucking Flintstone feet." <laughs> oh man, that's that was a, that was a good one. So yeah, you know, go through boot camp. You need to do your weapons qualifying you do your the rappel down I remember that almost almost uh didn't make it you know you pull your arm out go down the rope like you see the guys in the movie well I almost didn't get my hand under my butt in time which I would have landed flat on my ass from who knows how I forget how high it is but yeah that could have been could have been bad but I stopped I got it and um so yeah once graduation came up you know, it's family day and, you know, my parents didn't have that much means and I, you know, I didn't send any, any money home to, to bring them up. So you go through family day and you see people with your families and it's, it's, it's a little tough, you know, that you don't get to see your family and, but you know, you get to walk around still, you know, around base. And I remember getting a Twix and on family day, right before our like five mile run and it tore me up. I mean, I hadn't had sugar for three months, no sugar at all. And I remember eating that Twix and it absolutely destroyed my stomach. Um, but then I, you know, you know, you graduate that was, you know, you do your thing, get your plane ticket home or you already had it, but you get your flight home. I remember getting off the plane and seeing my mom and immediately like as soon as you get off the airplane you're there you start crying uh, 
they didn't recognize me because I went from, you know, I'm like 5'11 and almost six feet. And I was about 210, 215 pounds going to boot camp. And I got home, I was about 165 pounds, like soaking wet. I was, I, I was like super skinny, um, getting back home and they almost didn't recognize me. And, uh, it was good. It was good to see everybody. You know, I go back to my brother's house and, you know, we had, uh, had pizza because uh, that's one of the things that you know before like the night before you go home in boot camp everybody's like sitting at their racks um after lights out you're just sitting there and you're talking and you're like what are you to eat when you get home and people are like oh i want a cheeseburger oh i want pizza or oh i want you know steak and eggs or something like that just just uh you know something fatty and greasy that you hadn't had in so long that you wanted I remember eating pizza and it was probably some of the best pizza I've ever had um after boot camp um so yeah that that was boot camp um get home I did my my two weeks you know first first being being home for two weeks and then you get your first tattoo you know you had to get the, the marine corps stamp on you you know, that was immediately, I think the next day that I was home, I got a USMC tattoo because, you know, why not being a moto motivator? Um, yeah, that was, uh, it was fun. It was fun to be back home, see my family. Uh, but then right as soon as I got home, I was leaving again, uh, to MCT going to MOS school being a uh, 1833 amphibious assault vehicle crewman and it's 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 fun you know the things that you learn uh you know the driving a vehicle learning about a vehicle that floats in the water that doesn't look like it should float um and one of the you know one of the things that i remember is um going into the water for the first time and I, I said this, I think, in the very first episode, if you listen to that, that, you know, the seals are around the, the hatch where your driver's seat is were bad. And as soon as you hit the water, it's, you know, pitch black out there in the water, in the ocean. And water comes in and you don't know what to expect. And you can just hear the, the crew chief, yell, you know, talking to you behind you. Um. Yeah, that was fun to be in the water. And during the day, it was fun as well. It was a lot of fun during the day because as you're in the water, you can have, once you're in there, you can open your hatch. And um, I think we did. Yeah, I remember opening the hatch and you can see the dolphins next to you. As you're driving, they're just, they're swimming right next to you. That was pretty cool. Um, And so, you know, being that, you know, you're at school now, we have our weekends. And what we did a lot is we had a buddy of mine live not too far from the base. So we would get uh, the Greyhound and go to his uh, to his house on the weekends. And we would we would party like very, yeah, we would party hard. Um, I remember going to his house one night and we had like a kegger. And I, one of my buddies, <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, buddy, I won't say his name, but uh, one of my buddies was, he was, he was drunk and he passed out and he was underneath a, a nightstand. <laughs> and as he's sleeping, we, we got some hot sauce and we put it in his mouth as he's sleeping. And, uh, I remember him just, <laughs> Uh, be while he's still asleep, be like, "Oh man, it's hot. What's uh, why is it so hot?" And then he he woke up, and as he woke up, it's kind of like you see in the movie. He tried to sit up, but since he was under the a nightstand, he hit his head on the nightstand and immediately passed out. <laughs> like <laughs> uh, it was something out of a movie, and. Uh, that that was that was something that I remember that, that's, that sticks out. 
But yeah, on the weekends, I don't think I was ever in, in the barracks. You know, we were always going, we'd go to San Diego or I guess mainly my buddy's house. You know, we'd go to his and, you know, his parents would let us stay on the couch and stuff like that. So we would leave and then come back, you know, give our, get our barracks haircut because we didn't get one beforehand. So, you know, one of my questions that I asked my guest is if, you know, I could choose again, what would I pick? Um, and that's, I don't, I don't know. That's a tough one. I think it would be, I don't know, maybe artillery. Oh, do I'd like to be the mortar guys. Um, some of the exercises that we did, you know, at my first duty station, when we would go out to 29 Palms, uh, I would see those guys and they, or you know what? And nah, I, I take that back. I think I'd probably be a tanker, which I think that MOS is no longer exists, but I would have been a tanker. All right, so once, um, you know, you graduate school or as you're graduating, you get your orders to your next duty station or your first duty station, rather. Um, you know, for us, they gave us, I recall, getting op- like three options. They told us to pick our top three options. And I chose to go first to stay in California. Um, second, I had picked to go to Okinawa. And third, I had go picked to go to you know, Camp Lejeune, you know, North Carolina. And, you know, you're waiting there and they call, as they're calling your name, they're giving you, telling you where you're going to go. So they call my name, you know, Castillo, and they say Quantico. And I look at my buddy and I said, where the, where the fuck is Quantico? What is that? And I just remember somebody saying, oh, that's uh." You're going to have to keep your hand glued to your cover. You know, you're going to be saluting all day because it's nothing but lieutenants and officers. And I was like, what? What? What is that? At the time, I didn't know that this was, uh, you know, the Marine Corps headquarters and that, you know, this is where OCS was and the basic school and it was filled with lieutenants. Um, so, you know, I get the orders and, you know, I guess I'm going to Quantico where, wherever that is. And I remember getting on the plane, getting off the plane, and then having one of our sergeants, two of our sergeants, uh, pick us up in this. So three of us get here, me, uh, one of my buddies, uh, Tao Tao, and that's Ted Tao Tao. This is his last name. People are like, what, what did he just say? Tao Tao and my buddy Dominguez. And... Um, our two sergeants pick us up in this Dodge Dakota and we had to sit and this wasn't the, the, the Dodge Dakota that had like four doors. Cause I don't think four doors were, were a thing. These were the ones that had the doors that folded backwards and we all squeezed in our, uh, alphas. And these are the uniforms that are all green, um, green coat, uh, tan long sleeve shirt and green trousers dress and it's like a green it's a big green suit basically and we all sat back there squunched um scrunched in this this little uh dodge dakota um so we check in you know first first couple days are checking in with the medical and h&s and dropping off your paperwork and uh all that stuff and it was it was good i i enjoyed you know, you get to meet your roommates that you end up, you know, because at, at the barracks that we were in, they were they were old. Um, so it was three to a room, um, had a squad bay, had, you know, communal toilets, showers and sinks, uh, just one washer and dryer that everybody had to share. And yeah, so you meet. You know, you meet your buddies and you do your normal day. You know, I think a normal day for me um, was, you, you know, you'd get up, go PT. Uh, you know, we'd go run or whatever we do. And unless it was like a Friday before uh, a holiday or, you know, we'd get a 72, which is a three day weekend. And, um, those days were fun. 
uh, we would get up and we do our, I think we do our PT. We just go like on a three mile run and come back. And then we'd go to like the soccer field or no, not soccer, the football field. And we'd play football for, you know, most of the morning. Uh, some days when we weren't busy or there wasn't an exercise coming up. I remember that we'd, uh, play football till I don't know what time. And then we, you know, maybe 10, 11. And then we'd, you know, platoon sergeant or, you know, one of the staff sergeants would come up and say, Hey, you know, just go, go take a shower. Meet us back at the, at the ramp uh, where we kept all the vehicles. So we'd get there and then these were the, these were, these were, these were rare, but they, they did happen. Um, we'd get to the ramp and, you know, platoon sergeant would come out, Gunny would come out and, you know, give his spiel and, and tell us, you know, what's going on or give us their little safety brief and be like, all right, for the brown baggers, we couldn't leave just right away, you know, cause I think these were days that, you know, technically we we're supposed to be at work, but it was slow. And again, these were rare. They didn't happen that often. And it'd be like, all right, brown baggers just hang out at the barracks with, you know, the barracks crew. So, you know, some of them would come there or they'd stay there at the ramp or some of them would come to the barracks and we just hang out. And then, you know, it was around lunch, chow time, lunchtime. And, uh, we'd, we'd be hanging out and then somebody, whoever was probably the, the most senior in the barracks would get the call and from Gunny, from the platoon sergeant and be like, all right, you got, you know, you guys are good. Y'all can go. Those are great, man. Those are great days, uh, that I loved having again, that, that didn't happen that often, but back to, to normal day, you know, we'd go PT, walk up to the ramp. Um, so that where the barracks were, we would have to, you know, pick up stuff outside, call it police call. We'd have to do it on the way up to the ramp. And then, so we'd get there, we'd change over. So we wouldn't wear, since we drove vehicles, we didn't wear our normal, uh, you know, camis, our, our camouflage utilities. Um, we would put on coveralls. And so we'd have to change over. So, I mean, because the vehicles have grease and oil and fuel and diesel and you know, you're going to get dirty and you don't want to ruin your uniforms because they're fucking expensive. So we'd, um, you know, we'd get on the vehicle and we do, you know, just tier one, you know, preventative maintenance, you know, anything that needed grease would get greased. Anything that needed any fluids that needed to be looked at or refilled, we would fill, you know, any rust that we would find, we'd have to, you know, prevent the rust. Um, and yeah, run the vehicle. We'd have to get in the vehicle and run it for, you know, for a little bit just to get the, keep it going. Um, and check everything out on the vehicle, you know, whenever we weren't, we were prepping to go to a, uh, to do an op, you know, we do all that. And if something needed to be fixed, we'd let, you know, our mechanics know that it needed to be fixed, um, to get on their, their list so they can fix it while, you know, maybe another vehicle is being worked on or something. Um, so yeah, that we would do that in the morning and, um, you know, again, on a normal day, we'd go to chow. I think chow was from 11 to one. We'd get two hour chow some to sometime, most of the time, some days whenever stuff was going, going on, they'd be like, all right, go get chow and be back here in like, you know, 10. So the chow hall had uh, brown bags that you would go and pick up, you know, they had regular sit down food. Um, but they also had quick stuff to go. Uh, you can get like a burger or whatever and go back to work real quick, get a sandwich and go back to the, go back to work, get a brown bag and go back to work. Um, get back at the afternoon and then keep doing the same thing. Or if they had, you know, some kind of training that you'd have to do, or if we were going on a field exercise, you'd have to put your weapons on and then they'd teach you how to, you know, uh, put the weapons on the vehicle. You go check out weapons, put them on the vehicle, and, um, other things. And then, you know, everybody just messing around there at work. Uh, <laughs> 
And then at the end of the day, you, you know, close up your vehicle and platoon Sargani would have uh, a, a sit down and, or we'd be in formation and to give the word for the, for the, to, for the next day, or he'd just break us up and we had a picnic table. So he'd just say, Hey, just sit at the picnic table. Um, so we could all just stand around and him, you know, give us his, give us the word. And that was the end of the day, you know, unless we were going to the field, we'd have to pack, uh, you know, get ready, get all our stuff for the, for, you know, whatever exercise or however many days we'd be going out. Um, and those were, those were fun. Uh, I think for us going out into the field here at Quantico is obviously a little different because we worked with the lieutenants, you know, we weren't preparing to go overseas or anything like that. And then, you know, after hours, uh, some of the things that we would do during the, the normal, you know, Monday through, I say Monday through Wednesday, no, Sunday through Wednesday, we were just hanging out in the barracks, not getting, not doing much. Some of us had uh, PlayStations or an Xbox. It was a time when uh, the game Halo had came out. So we'd play Halo or, you know, we'd play games or just kind of just hanging out and really not watching TV, watching movies, drive around town, you know, um, just or go to go to the town over, you know, in Fredericksburg or just drive around just to get out of the barracks. Um, there wasn't really much to do when, you know, at the end of the day, we didn't have TV in our barracks. Um, but, you know, once it got to Thursday, Friday, Saturday, that was a different story. Um, Thursdays were our field day. So in, in boot camp, there's field day, which is not, it's not like a child field day where, you know, they go outside and do events that are fun. Um, field day in the Marine Corps is the day where you clean uh, everything. Um, and if you have somebody who's a dick about it, <laughs> they will, you know, they, they check for dust everywhere you know, over the door sill and uh, under your bed. Um, you had to dust everywhere. You had to clean everything. Um, the showers had to be clean. No shower residue. Everything. You, everything was cleaned. The washer dryer were cleaned. Um, and again, I mean, by somebody being a dick, as they would, <laughs> if they wanted you to just keep cleaning, they would um, open your DVD case in your... Um, so some of the, we had a TV in our room with the DVD player. They'd open the DVD player and swipe their finger in there. And if there was dust, you had to clean your whole room again. Again, that was just somebody being a, a, a jerk about it. <laughs> um, and they just wanted you to keep cleaning if you, if they thought you cleaned too fast. Um, but after we were done Thursday nights, we would Thursday night was, uh, was ladies nights in DC <laughs> So that's what we would do. We'd um, clean everything. Because sometimes Friday mornings was uh, Friday mornings was the inspection. You never knew if there was going to be an inspection or not. Um, some days there were, some days there weren't. Uh, some days it was the you know the commanding general would come through your room, and <laughs> one of the, one of them that stick out is. <laughs> um, so. You know, to preface, you know, I went through when, you know, early 2000s that was still, you know, don't ask, don't tell in the Marine Corps. <laughs> and uh, I had a room for, this was towards the end of my enlistment. And I just happened to have my own room. And uh, yeah, I had my own room. Nobody, I had no roommates. So the two twin beds I put together so I could have a fucking king size bed in my room. And it was a Friday and the commanding general was going through everybody's room. He went through everybody's room. And I remember him walking in and he sees the beds together and he's like, hey, uh, Lance Corporal, what's uh, do you have a roommate? What's uh, what's the deal with the beds? And I said, uh, no, sir, I, I'm, you know, I have my own room and this is, this is my own room. I don't have a roommate. So I thought, why not put the beds together so I could have a king size bed? He just 
He just he just gave me the acknowledging nod. Said, "Uh, all right, carry on." <laughs> yes, sir. Um, which was pretty funny. I mean, because you, you, I mean, back in the day, you can't. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't as woke as it is now in today's era. You know, where you know you really and who cares? Nobody, I don't care. Nobody cares. Um, but I just thought that was funny. That that's something that stuck out. Uh, so yeah, Thursday nights, going back to, to Thursday nights, we would go out to DC and, uh, ladies night and trying to, you know, trying to find something, uh, some girl to pick or hit on. And, uh, we went every Thursday night, you know, um, is actually where I ended up eventually finding my, you know, my, my girlfriend, which turned to be out my wife now, um, yeah, that's where I met her in, in D.C. on a ladies' night. And this was uh, um, actually before 9-11 happened is when I met her. And to get into that, you know, to get into 9-11, I remember when that happened, you know, we were. Uh, it was a, it was a normal morning and uh, I mean, just like everybody else in the United States. And I remember being in my vehicle that morning and saying, Hey, we just, the, somebody, the twin towers is, were just attacked. And then I was like, Hey, the Pentagon was just hit. We're under attack. And I remember our, our platoon started coming out and going, Hey, you need to go to your room, go to your rooms, brown baggers, go get your shit and be back here yesterday. Go get, go get all your gear, pack, get your shit come back because we're going to go to the armory get our weapons get our weapons for our vehicles we may we uh being there at quantico which is i'd say our outside of of dc um what 40 miles 40 50 miles from dc um we may have to go into dc uh if we're under attack um so we did we got our gear and came back, went to the armory, got our weapons for our vehicles and stood by waiting, waiting for the word to see if, uh, you know, we were going to be going to DC or not. And, you know, eventually we didn't have to go, but, uh, you know, at this point in time here at Quantico at the, you know, the, the basic, the basic school, the part of the base that we were on was, um, it was open to the public. You could, uh, you could drive right on no guard. So it was at this moment that at first all the AAVs that were here at Quantico were stationed at the gate. That was our gate. They put us there. So we were there with our weapons, you know, 50 Cal Mark 19, um, at the gate standing, standing guard until I don't know, little by little, they started to get actual guard staff at the gates and then they put a tent, you know, over the years. Now they're actual legit gates. Um, But yeah, back then there was no gate. You could just drive right on base. No, no check, no ID check, nothing. Um, Which is, you know, again, unfathomable to think about. Um, But yeah, so on our, on our weekends, Going out, that's what we did. Thursday night, I don't know how I afforded it now that I think about it. Thursday nights, we'd go to the D.C., we'd go to one club. Friday nights, we'd go to another club. And then Saturday nights, um, we'd go to another club. Sometimes we'd even drive to Baltimore to go out. There was a place there that uh, was $20 open bar. You could imagine the debauchery that, that kind of... Uh, stemmed from that <laughs> lots of uh once there'll be some more guests i'm sure that i'll have that we can get more into into that um and the and the the fights that were had um oh god okay so yeah that was a normal day um you know I, and that's what you know whenever it was i mean that's what i did that's what you do. You get up, work on your vehicle, you prepare to go to the field, you go to the field a couple of days, come back, wash your vehicle, and then back 
to prevent a maintenance work on you. Anything that might have broke while you were out in the field, get it repaired, um, order parts, mechanics will order parts, it needs to be fixed, um, work on your vehicle, you know, make sure everything's tight, and yeah, it was a, it was a cycle. Um, and so one of the questions, uh, one of my next questions that I asked him, you know, did I go home? Um, I would go home, I'd say once a year uh, towards the end of the year, I'd say Christmas time, I'd save my leave and I'd go for the holidays, uh, to visit my family. Um, and, and then I think once I started dating my, my, at when my wife and I first started dating, I took her home down there one time while I was still in the Marine Corps. Um, and it was fun. I would go, it was, it was great to see family. Um, it's tough, you know, for those who may be listening, who are maybe still in, uh, a little word of advice for those of you listening that, you know, that may, you know, be really close to your family. Um, and you see yourself spending a lot of your time driving whenever you go home, you know, it's hard. It is tough. It's very tough. It was tough for myself, but I got to the point where I would go home on, on leave and I was, most of my time was spent driving and not enjoying myself, you know? So I got to the point where I told my family, I said, Hey, look, I'm going to be at my mom's house or I'm going to be at my dad's house. You know, we'll, we'll have a cookout or something. Come and visit me. I'll be here. You know, that way you can spend time with your family. And if they don't come see you, they don't, you know, that's on them. Put it on them. That way you don't waste your, the, you know, what little time you have back home um, with your family, with your, your, you know, immediate family. Spend time, you know, with them before you go back out, you know, and you don't waste your time driving all over the place. I, I, that was my, that's my two cents, you know, my advice. Um, and so... You know, another, my next, uh, my next hit was, uh, topic was whether I, you know, had family, you know, or kids. And I, I didn't while I was in the Marine Corps. I mean, I had my, my girlfriend, uh, she was still my fiance and, you know, we had talked about it, about getting married while I was still in. And I think I wanted to, I tried to, but you know, then I, I respected her father and I didn't, I wish he wanted her to finish school, but you know, a lot of young Marine soldiers, uh, airmen, you know, seamen, uh, as soon as they get together, they're getting married to get that extra money. You know, sometimes it doesn't always work out so well for them. Uh, some do. Some people still together. But I think, I think, um, again, I may be wrong with the majority of them. Some of them don't make it, you know, being married within the first couple months. So. You know, maybe don't get married while you're still in the, in the, it may be beneficial financially, but I, I, I wouldn't, I would advise against it. Um, so, uh, yeah, my next, uh, topic was, is, uh, do my kids know about my, my service and yeah, they do. They know that, you know, I was a, a Marine. Um, they call me now, you know, they say that, Oh, look, you were in the Marines instead of army men. Um, which I, said, I think I said that in the first episode that, you know, most of the kids call you an army man because that's, that's just what they are. All the little guys in green. Um, so, yeah, uh, they, they know about it. And on getting out, once, you know, I started to get out, it was, uh, I don't think I had any plans to go home. Once I knew that I wanted to be, well, I, again, I was, my my wife is from the area and I knew I wanted to be with her. And I didn't want to go home. You know, I wasn't going to, she was still in school and I, I didn't plan on going home. There wasn't much besides your family. There wasn't much in my hometown. Um, so I didn't want to go. Um, and it was tough. You know, you, they, they provided the Marine Corps does provide my, your classes on how to get out, how to transition, you know, whenever to do a job interview, but that was it. You know, I got out of the Marine Corps and I didn't have a job. I think I had maybe like two paychecks left that I was supposed to, uh, you know, because I was on terminal leave. 
Um, and it, I wasn't ready, you know. I lived with one of my buddies from the Marine Corps. Um, I lived with him for like uh, a week. I lived with my crew chief for maybe a couple weeks. And then finally I got an apartment, you know. And I, I got out and I was working at Target. I was working at Target and I was a bouncer at a bar trying to make it. You know, my first apartment when I got out of the Marine Corps, I didn't have I didn't have anything. You know, I went from having a room to everything to going to my own apartment. And again, I'm not by my ha- I'm not by family, my family. You know, I'm, I'm from Texas, so I, I like halfway across the country. So I didn't have anything. I had an apartment with a 27 inch uh, <laughs> 500 pound TV uh two um two Tupperwares like uh like the blue Tupperware bins that you store you know Christmas ornaments in the big ones I had two of those one with civilian attire like my regular clothes and then one with all my military clothes that I got out with um and that was it and in my apartment I had to I had a pillow and some sheets and I slept on the floor for about for a couple weeks until uh, my old platoon sergeant had a buddy who was getting rid of a uh, bedroom furniture that I picked up for like a hundred bucks. Um, but yeah, I didn't have, I didn't have anything. I didn't have a plan. Uh, again, I was working at target, not making much, uh, pretty much almost minimum wage and uh, being a bouncer on the weekend, you know, two jobs. Um, living again, sleeping on the floor with the sheet, you know, just trying to, trying to make it, man. Um, and finally, I think after a few months of being out, I got a call for being, a uh, to be a security guard, um, for, for customs for you know, customs and border protection. Uh, just a regular, I wasn't, I was just a regular contractor security guard. And that's how I, I, you know, got my background investigation and got in the door, uh, did that for a couple years. And I ended up going to work for the help desk with customs just cause of, you know, the people that I knew, my boss knew somebody and, uh, got my foot in the door. I had not, I had no idea of how to do anything. IT, you know, they asked me if what I knew about email and I told them I had a Yahoo account, like, but it's because of, you know, who I knew, um, who I, it's, it was who I knew, uh, and, and my, my old boss. And here's a quote that, that I got from my boss. Um, an intelligent person may know everything and they do. An intelligent person will know, they know a lot They're they're They know everything. A smart person like myself, smart people, they know everyone. Um, and that quote is stuck, stuck with me for a really long time. So yeah, if you, you know, say it again, an intelligent person may know everything. A smart person knows everyone. And that's how I, you know, that's how I got in my door and to, to got my foot in the door through, through customs, through the help desk. And I worked my way up, did some physical security for a while, did some, uh, for a long time. And I became a building manager, you know, federal building manager for customs and you know it's kind of what I do now for customs um uh yeah and you know one of the things that I wish that I would have done when I was getting out of the Marine Corps was my VA do my VA health benefits for service related injuries and I remember having some of the senior enlisted personnel as well some of the sergeants that had got out hey you need to do it but you know at the time I was in my head that I was able-bodied, you know, I was fine. There was nothing wrong with me. I didn't, there was, you know, I didn't need to go do that. I, you know, my hearing was okay, but I didn't need to. Looking back, I probably should have done it because now as I've been trying to do it, I've been having trouble with the VA. I've got denied a few times, still trying to get my claim to go through for my hearing, uh, my back, uh, you know, I don't, I, you, 
you hear these stories from a lot of the veterans that have been out for a while. So don't do yourself any disservice. If you're listening, if you're a veteran, if you just got out, don't do yourself any disservice. Don't think of it as I'm able-bodied. I, I'm still good. I think that's the old mentality that we had that if you were sick while you were in the military, you know, you got looked down upon for wanting to go to medical. Being, you know, don't be a little bitch. Uh, why are you going to go to medical? You're, are you that sick? You know, and that's how it was looked upon back then. Uh, and don't do that to yourself. And you're going to think about it. Think about it as I, I'm doing this for, if you have a family, doing it for my family or, you know, eventually for your family, you know, because then you'll have your benefits. You can have a job. You could be disabled, but you can still have a job and work and you, you have your regular income and then you'll have your income tax free from the VA. So please get your, get, get that looked at. Um, and keeping in touch with, uh, anyone with, keep in touch with, with your fellow service members. I keep in touch with a lot of mine. Again, I, I'm that guy that even though they haven't reached out to me, I'll reach out to them. Um, for those listening, if you want to reach out, shit, email me, you know, Juan Castillo at president com. Re- send me an email. Um, and we can, you just want to talk to somebody. I'm here. Do that. Um, uh, my next question to my guest or to myself is if I could change something, what would I change? And I think, I don't know. I don't know if how, what I would change. I enjoyed my time in the Marine Corps. Maybe, maybe done one more, one more term to experience what the, the real Marine Corps was like, you know, so they say, uh, to go to a regular duty station that deployed, maybe seen the world gone out but I think if I, I I know no I don't think I know that if I would have re-enlisted I might not have seen the world I would have went to Iraq immediately um you know in 04 I was definitely going to Iraq uh could have been kicking down doors might not have made it back you know but I still would have I think I would change that to see you know at least to experience that to not feel the left out that you know I let my brothers down that I didn't I didn't do that and would I change my MOS? And I think I said that earlier. I think I would change. I would have probably probably been a tanker. And if I had to do it again, what branch of service would I have switched services? Maybe. That's a that's a hard maybe that I might have done. Maybe the Air Force. I go to the Air Force. It's better quality of life. <laughs> so I hear. I don't know. <laughs> um um, what I, how do I feel if, um, my children wanted to join is a question as well. And I wouldn't hold them back. You know, I think, you know, now I'm fortunate that I can, you know, probably send my kids to college, but I'm not paying for their college because no, I'm, I'm not doing that. They want to go to college. They could pay on their own dime. Um, if they want to, go to the military, join the military. You know, I, I think it's a great, I think some kids need it to go to the military. You need to be broken down from who you are as a punk kid like myself who think they know the world and then to go to military and they teach you that you're nothing. Um, you're just a kid. You don't know anything, you know, and then you learn from the bottom. Um, I would, I, if they wanted to join, I wouldn't discourage it. Maybe not the Marine Corps. I wouldn't tell them to join if they wanted to do it by all means. But if they wanted to, uh, do a different service, I'd, I'd be all for it. Why not go out, see the world experience that, get some, uh, uh, experience behind your, your, you know, behind your back and your resume. And it teaches you, it teaches you to grow up a little bit. I think a lot of it, you know, and, um, what are the, what are some habits that I might've picked up, whether good or bad? Um, I think that some good habits is, is the work ethic, you know, the determination, like I'm going to get it done. I got to get this done. You know, you get it done right away. Um, I don't know. I, I, in bad habits, 
drinking, you know, I don't know if that's from the Marine Corps or it's just for myself. Um, tobacco use. I had never done really tobacco until I joined the Marine Corps. Um, dip. I had never dipped before using a, a chew until I joined the Marine Corps. And it was, you know, really to keep use the nicotine to keep myself awake, you know, at night or on duty or you're doing something, I'd put a dip in. Um, I did that for years uh, until I met my, my, you know, my girlfriend, my wife, she didn't like it. So I, I ended up quitting, but then I would smoke cigarettes and, uh, something I hadn't done as well. <laughs> and I think, you know, just socially around everybody that people that everybody's smoking, I don't think it's as prominent now as it was. I mean, it probably still is. I don't know, but you know, there was no vaping back then. There was no it was none of that. So it was, everybody was smoking cigarettes. Cigarettes were still kind of popular. It was still allowed in nightclubs to smoke, uh, when I would go out, you know, being young. Yeah. I think tobacco use might've been a, a, a bad habit. Uh, maybe swearing, uh, swear a lot because of that. You know, you hear, you hear the term, I don't know, you cuss like a sailor or something like that, but yeah, there's a lot of foul language used in the military and I use a lot of it. Um, and you say fuck a lot. <laughs> um, if you want to reach out to me, uh, reach out to me to president and accounted for on Instagram. Uh, my main, my account is uh, Juan Castillo on Instagram. Um, e- email me at uh, Juan Castillo at president dot com. You know, this was my story. Um, most of the time, there, I didn't give everything, but that's because it'll be peppered in here and there with within uh, my guests that I have. But my main thing is to hear, you know, your story. I want to hear your story. I want, you know, I want if you want your family to know, you know, come visit me, talk to me so that they can hear it. You know, I hope that I can be that environment for you to be comfortable enough to, to tell that story. Um. And with that, I'll say to myself that I'm very happy to still be here, present and accounted for. Thanks, everybody. I hope you have a great day.